Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, how you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday, the 2nd of May 2022 with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 385. Hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. Let me give you a timestamp right away, 11.43 hours. A late record by the standard of the last uh, few weeks. Been in bed for most of the last few days, really. I think once I stopped doing anything... I just realised how tired I am and I've just just been lazy, really, really lazy and uh, still 15 episodes away from episode 400. It it doesn't feel like I'm ever going to get there. You know, I just want to reach that milestone, being the, uh, the pedant that I am. And it feels a bit like uh, those episodes of uh, Spooks uh, back in the day to give you an early Americanism a minute into this week's episode, you know, where there's a bomb about to go off. uh, There's a 30-second countdown. Uh, The bomb is usually being diffused by uh, Adam Carter, the very uh, dynamic character who would never go anywhere by car. He'd always run. He had a great running style. And uh, you had 30 seconds before the bomb went off, but you did actually get about two minutes of uh, television as he went about... uh, Beaten the bomb, so to speak. It feels like that. It's only 15 episodes away, but it's feeling like it might as well be 50 episodes. I'm not sure if that analogy worked. So very tired and uh, alarm clock confusion this morning. I'm glad this time it wasn't my eyesight. Going to go for an early hard swallow, 11.44 hours. There you go. I woke up. Checked the clock and it said uh, 10.25 hours. And that is very, very late for me. So I shot up out of bed already, made a coffee and checked. It was actually only 07.25 hours. That alarm clock, I need to replace it. They're very expensive, actually. I thought I could pick one up for about a fiver. But uh doesn't look like I can uh, get anything for under a tenner. And it's weird that it's slowed down and loses time regularly because it's never been dropped. It's only four or five years old. It's, uh, you know, disappointing. I guess you get what you pay for. So I've reset the time on that. But uh, I'm glad that my body clock means I wake up early because I wouldn't be able to rely on that. And I wouldn't want to be, you know, having to set uh, an alarm on my phone. I just want to limit the things I I do uh, on my phone. But I have got up in recent months having taken a look at that alarm clock without my glasses and read the wrong time. So I'm glad this time it wasn't my eyesight. It was that the uh, alarm clock had again stopped. So I had my breakfast and then just went back to bed, read for a while. Then I started listening to something. As usual, when I start listening to something, I I, I just drift off. And then I got up again around uh, 1100 hours 
And the plan this morning, well, this this lunchtime is get this show out, then go for a run. I don't normally like uh, running on bank holidays because the parks can get uh, the park can get packed with people. The fairground is is back, of course, which means that uh, my route becomes a bit more awkward. I'm having to run on more tarmac than I like to. The the trail, my favourite bit of the trail is taken up by the fairground. It's not a cheap fair. Fair, fairground either it's uh, i think it's 10 pounds gets you 10 rides a single voucher is worth one pound 20 or a single token and then uh, though i think the deal is if you pay a tenner you get 10 rides that you know i think uh, when i was a kid i'm sure that you would just pay your entrance fee of course it was my mum that was paying and then you could just ride on as many rides as you wanted but never a big fan of the fairgrounds never went on a ghost train might have once possibly i'm not sure that would have been in spain but i was never a huge fan of the uh, uh, fairgrounds once i got a bit older just because i started that the, the nausea thing became quite a quite a big thing for me i remember in fact i think the last time possibly was a bank holiday in 94 uh with my friend who i saw on friday at his, at his dad's funeral i think i think it was him his brother some of his cousins, it was on Clapham Common, and we went on one of those, uh, you know, giant teacup rides, those saucers, and one of the fairground guys to show off kept spinning us, and I, I came off there just feeling really ill, and that was the last time I went on any fairground ride. That was it. Uh, that was me done. I think that was the day, the same day, where Jimmy White in the snooker had this supposedly unassailable lead in the World Championship final and, and blew it, and that was the end of... Uh, Jimmy White. Am I waffling? Quite possibly. Have I padded this uh, show out by an extra four minutes? Quite possibly. Have you been interested? Maybe. I hope so. So uh, let's move on. My weekend was pretty much a case of doing nothing. A few Star Wars football games, not as many as I I would have uh, played or hoped to have played to try and catch up on the fixture backlog resulting from... uh, my sibling coming over and all the disruptions in the flat, so into pest control, the scaffolding going up, all of that. So I've just been playing a, a game, uh, one game a day. I caught up. I, I listened to it on the radio, though. I did fall asleep. The Katie Taylor Amanda Serrano uh, fight, and uh, I caught up with it. I, didn't, I still haven't found a full fight on uh, YouTube, but I've seen the fight highlights, and uh, you know, I've listened to the various boxing shows on it. Uh, I've no doubt that in I, I think it's more that it's not just in the context of women's boxing. It was a, a great fight, but what I'd like to see from uh, women uh, women's boxing, and it's nothing to do with money. This is not me saying they're not worth the money. I think it's the same thing when it comes to women's tennis is surely I feel that the, I don't know, this could be down to physiology, but I feel that the best players I'm sure could play the extra set in women's tennis. You want to see more of that quality. And I think in boxing, the short rounds, it it was a 10 round and it's uh, two minute rounds. And I think the problem with that is the rounds can become slugfests because two minutes is not enough it's not enough. The fight is over pretty quickly. Now, I think that even the biggest fans of women's boxing would admit that at the moment, the pool of quality boxers isn't deep enough. But what you've now got is right at the top, there are maybe four or five boxers, including Katie Taylor, of course, Amanda Serrano, uh, 
Clarissa Shields. I'm not actually that big a fan of Clarissa Shields. Savannah Marshall, who I think is probably the best woman's boxer there is. I like the fact that she's got that uh, unorthodox uh, stance. She's got the arms down at her side. I always love those kind of fighters. Then Asim Hamed, uh, Carl Froch, that kind of movement, uh, evasive and, uh, you know, throwing punches from, from, from way back. And I think she's probably uh, the best. I, I think she'll demolish Clarissa Shields. I think those boxers, that four or five at the top, they could do three rounds, uh, sorry, three minute rounds, I'm sure, no problem. And we'd see a better spectacle as a result. But I think after that, there's definitely a, a lack of strength at the moment within women's boxing. So it's probably going to be, I think, many years before we see uh, the longer rounds that uh, maybe bring them up to speed with uh, men's boxing. It might be like it developing in the same way as uh, women's football, which is now far stronger than it used to be owing to many of them, uh, the clubs now turning uh, professional. But uh, that aside, and I do think that has been overlooked in the way the fight has been raved about it was right to rave about the fight i mean the fifth round how katie taylor survives the fifth round and remember of course that's a two minute round would she have survived it if it had been three minutes i'm not sure she would have but maybe then if it had been a three minute round it wouldn't have been as intense that fifth round was brutal and you worry about the damage I think if anyone uh, is not a fan of boxing, and I have friends who don't like boxing, uh, for not not because they don't like the sport, just because they think it's uh, it's brutal, outdated, and has no place in modern society, and that's a fair argument. If they were to watch that, they would probably cite the fifth round as an example of why boxing needs to be, you know, made illegal, uh, so to speak. Uh, the fifth round is brutal. How Katie Taylor survives that, I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure she would have survived it had it been a three-minute round. The tenth round, though, is just uh, it's it's like a it's like a Rocky film. The if you watch it, the final 30, 40 seconds of that final round, it is gripping. It's 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 an incredible sporting spectacle. And one of the finest rounds of boxing that you'll ever see, male or female. So I can't fault that fight on that front. It exceeded the hype. It really did exceed the hype. I wouldn't have known that this fight was a bigger fight than Savannah Marshall, Clarissa Shields. As I say, though, I don't think women's boxing can get to that same level as men's boxing until there's a deeper pool of talent and they're doing the three-minute rounds, which their best fighters could do. And, you know, that, that tendency to see more of a brawl in women's boxing than the actual boxing, that, that for me is a bit of a problem. Though there was enough boxing on display, Katie Taylor, she doesn't have, uh, have even much power. And uh, Serrano is a heavy hitter, heavy-handed southpaw. And Taylor had to use all her boxing skills to, to get through that. And yeah, it was uh, it was an incredible fight. But when they're talking about putting it up, there were some of the greatest men's fights. I would say, okay, uh, you know, for emotion and for dramatic moments, yes, uh, I'd agree with that. Was it a, a great fight? Yes. Certainly the greatest 
uh, women's fight there's ever been and better than most men's fights but if you're going to start comparing it to Ali uh, Frazier and you know all those uh, some of those other epic fights at the garden come on look it wasn't three minute rounds so that that's the next step I think for women's boxing but if you're into boxing if you haven't seen that fight or if you're a bit snobbish maybe about women's boxing I think this is the fight that might change your mind it was uh, you know the these uh, I do think that boxers male and female are the only ones worth the money they they get obviously women's uh, women boxers they don't get that much money so to to have two boxers get i think seven figures uh, I think that's a step in the right direction for the punishment they're putting themselves through and hopefully for the rematch they'll get themselves uh, more I would be concerned about the amount of punishment both took in that fight particularly katie taylor that fifth round i think even if you win a fight like that if you if you remember Ali when he beat foreman across uh, over eight rounds yes he won that fight but he took some serious punishment in that fight and you worry that the punishment katie taylor took in that fight particularly in the fifth round will shorten her her career because it was a, a brutal fifth round moving on from uh, Boxing, I'll swallow 11.55 hours, uh, still dealing, well obviously I think it's going to be a prolonged thing, still dealing with uh, rodents, uh, had pest control visit for the first time ever in any of my flats, this guy had multiple uh, piercings, the one in the lip looked really, really painful and uh, I couldn't really understand him properly, I I don't understand why anyone would, would do that. You know, I'm, I'm not uh, criticizing the visual here, you know, it's down to the individual, but it just looks painful. And I kind of, you wonder about how it might affect the way you close your mouth, the alignment of your teeth, how you eat. You know, it's, it's a bit like the pierced uh, tongue, but but this, this one right on the lip, the corner of the bottom lip, it just looked really uncomfortable. He had piercings everywhere. He was a, he was a decent guy. He he lives locally, so there's some flexibility on what time he gets. He's going to do the next two Wednesdays as well. And he found evidence of you know the, the, the entry points, the ingress. And, you know, I, I've tried to tackle some of the entry points in the communal areas with uh, the coarse wire wool. But the problem is the cleaners see some of that wire wool. They try to, they don't know what it is and they try pulling it out. And again, that means you've got those entry points again available for mice and uh, one of the books I'm reading I'll come to my books later there's a recurring theme of mice one of the one of the kids it's in multiple timelines this is a different class I told you about it last week by Joanne Harris and uh, you know one of the kids in one of the earlier timelines is torturing mice and they break down how often mice breed and how small the female uh, mouses and how they can get through any kind of holes and this guy was telling me that even if you caught a mouse and you flung it out of the window from this second floor it would survive the fall I thought well it's good to know you know that's good to know not that it had crossed my mind to do that because I'd only be flinging it into the garden downstairs and they'd be finding their way back into the building as, as I think I said last week I'm probably I got the humane mouse traps as well I'm the kind of guy who'd probably uh, you know walk around for a bit before releasing that mouse he did say though that humane mouse traps are arguably more inhumane because you free the mouse outdoors it's going to be too cold for it and uh, it's just not going to survive out there it's going to be eaten by some predator and uh, you know, I just want to catch these things and, and get rid of it. I'm, I'm bleaching the floors every night. I've got that sensitive nose that can smell anything, and I'm just I'm just not at home in a home that I haven't 
really ever been at home in, but less so now. So this guy's back on Wednesday, laid down loads of baits, uh, which give off a really strong smell. This is the first time I've ever been in this situation. I'm wearing these indoor slippers at the back of the flat that I've never worn before. I, I, I uh, actually bought them when... I had surgery on my foot uh, a few summers ago. Uh, never, never wore them because I, I realised I wouldn't be able to get my uh, post-surgical foot as it was recovering into the slipper. But I'm now wearing them at the back of the flat in case you know I see another mouse walking about. And yeah, it's 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 not an enjoyable way to live. I saw my uh, GP last week. He said, you've just got to try and ride it out. It would be too big a risk to make yourself homeless. You know, he said he's got so many patients in the same situation who've made themselves homeless and still not been rehoused by Lambeth. And he said, don't make your situation worse than it is. But there's that heavy feeling whenever I'm returning home after a after a gig and I'm having to check all the traps and it's a real come down. So I'm not really able to savor any of the good gigs when I'm coming back. It's... Uh, and I'm having to deal with this on my own and, you know, just having to be strong, you know, for myself mentally, just trying to tell myself I'm going to get through this. You know, I've been in plenty of flats. I can't remember the last time I was in a flat that didn't actually have a pest issue or where maybe two or three days into that flat I didn't find mouse traps uh, somewhere uh, or under the sink packed away and I'd call the lettings agent and, you know, you realise that this is the situation with most flats just uh, would love to live somewhere that didn't have these issues. Scaffolding has also gone up for the roof. Uh, try not to sneeze here. I'm going to have to pause. Had a little sneeze there. little blow of the nose. The multiple operated on nose. Multiple times operated on nose, uh, to be uh, precise. Where was I? Yes, yeah, scaffolding. The scaffolding on the roof has gone up. I mean, the roof has, as I say, it's, uh, as I said in recent weeks, it's been a relatively mild winter, not been a, a wet winter. And yet, the few occasions it has rained heavily. I mean, that roof, it's taken so, so much damage. It's just an absolute dump in the back of the flat. And uh, try not to let it get to me. I've seen, well, the scaffolding has gone up, so the flat is very dark now. You know, the scaffolding blocks out a lot of the light. So uh, thankfully not so much at the front, which means any daytime Star Wars football games today, say bank holiday, I'll be able to play without the lights and save, you know, on, on, on energy because, of course, running a league as well, uh, Star Wars Football League with mainly evening games when you've got to have two lights on with the energy crisis, that's not great. So that's impacting on Star Wars football. I'm trying to, you know, at least play the first half without uh, lights on or at least just one light on, one of the blinds open. Remember the the two, two of the three blinds in the front room are broken. Need a ladder to open the, the big blind and I just can't be asked most of the days to, to do that. So minimal light in here. And all of this, it does get to me. You know, I went to see the nurse last week and uh, she thinks I need to see or need to speak to a GP about nutrition and, and, and diet. I've, I've spent the last few days actually eating more last, uh, last few days. Yes, yesterday especially eating more, really piling on the weight. But then when I run or trying to pile on the weight, when I run, if I've eaten a lot the day before, I kind of feel it. And the running becomes, I'm finding the running uphill because I start uphill and I'm running through loads of guano as well. 
on that first climb and it's just really brutal at the moment i i think i'm finding that climb as hard as i've ever found it and it's certainly post covid uh 2.0 I, I think i'm finding that uh, particularly difficult but i'm starting i'm trying to eat more but i just want to make sure i'm eating more of the right stuff and you know i lost 10 pounds in weight before last summer's nurse appointment and i've sub- subsequently lost another 10 pounds so in a space of about 18 months through stress i've lost 20 pounds and you know it doesn't look good at, at, at this age it probably doesn't look good at any age but i'm aware that it doesn't uh, look good i've lost muscle as well and they said it could be a thyroid you know you need to find out why you're not able to put any weight on i think the running is is part of it so last week i only ran twice and i tried to tell myself well maybe I, i'm running too much anyway maybe i need to focus just on um doing less exercise and just eating a bit more but again i don't know enough about this uh, i know that i've been skipping meals a lot also i've not had a working oven still don't have a working oven that's being addressed in a couple of weeks time so often well usually it's a microwave but you know with the gigs as well there's been excuses to just eat at uh, funny hours though I'm aware of it you know but I'm eating you know smaller uh, smaller well not even meals I'm, I'm having toast here I'm having cereal there and, you know lots of fruit but uh, no proper meals at that time. So I'm trying to address all that and I'll try and arrange a call back with the GP this week so I can work out how I, I go about putting on weight in a, in a positive way. Uh, I mean, she looked at my size, my height, and for my height, it did seem that I was okay at the moment in terms of weight. So I don't know what's going on there, but, you know, clearly I don't look okay. I mean, I know that. I know that I look uh, gaunt, and every time someone sees me, they'll always say the same thing. I'm aware of it. I think it's a combination of, uh, let me just talk into the mic again, really bad habit of just talking away from from the mic. It comes down to posture and the way I'm sitting. Hopefully that's a bit better. Um, Yeah, it's something I I, I need to uh, address. I do think a lot of it, as I say, is uh, stress, you know, could be the, the the illness, the health scare. I don't know, but I need to get on top of it, and I need to get on top of it uh, sooner rather than later. I was uh, at a funeral on Friday. I had a weird dream before the funeral. In 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 this dream, I was an old man, and uh, you know what I took from that was um, not a premonition. It certainly wasn't a premonition just had an email come through about a gig tonight i'm not going to do it i'm I'm not gigging until wednesday in this uh dream i was an old man and yeah i woke up i thought that's not a premonition because i i I don't think i'm going to make it to old man status at, at this rate so that didn't bother me too much but the clarity of the dream and how i looked like an old man was uh, was very interesting, you know, completely white beard, completely white hair. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to have too many of those dreams. The funeral, it was that cliche uh, with the funeral in that obviously it was very sad, but it was nice at the same time to re-engage with some of my oldest uh, friends and see them. But it's that cliche that as you get older, that tends to be the time where, you know, you, you'd normally get together and there's always one less person around uh, around what was that all about around that uh, generation that my generation grew up with that generation of parents uh, 
that my lot grew up with, the ones that have made it to their time, you know, this, you know, the next 10, 15 years, that's going to be the time that they start to, you know, pass away, the ones who are going at the right time. And that's sad because, you know, we, we I do think they're a better generation than us. And I think that's down to the hardships they experienced growing up in the post-war years. Although, you know, I think... We now, all of us, regardless of generation, with everything going on with, um, you know, I suppose, uh, started from Brexit, you know, that, that was such a volatile time. But really, you know, the pandemic, I think, has, has scarred all of us. I mean, I, I'm thinking a lot about that first year of the pandemic and how damaging that was to me mentally, physically, how, how I don't think I could go through that again. But also the situation that the world finds itself in now with this uh, Russia-Ukraine thing and, and how that is escalating and starting to spill over and you're now starting to see Ukraine making incursions into uh, Russia itself, and, and and you're thinking, where is this going to end? You know, the, the the Cuban Missile Crisis was done and dusted by this stage. This is, I, I would argue, uh, perhaps a more serious situation than that. And and I think these things are giving us some understanding of maybe what the older generation would have gone through. You know, who grew up at a tougher and darker time in the world, and that generation is now, you know, it's, it's sadly dying off. But what they passed on to us was their were their values, I think. And you know, I think funerals are important. I think you go. I think they're more important than weddings, than christenings, and all of that. This is where you go to remember someone, to to pay respect to someone. And uh, there were two services. There was the first service, then the the one at the crematorium. The one at the crematorium was particularly moving, you know, and uh, there was a montage of my friend's dad. And, you know, know, this is a guy who'd been, uh, you know, these friends have been in my life for over four decades. So, you know, I've known... Uh, known the, the the dad since I was seven, and to see this little montage of him down the years, and and to see him in his younger days before I would have known him, and seen him on a bike, on a moped, this beautiful picture I think on Clapham Common, posing with this dog, and you know thinking, oh my God, he looks like my friends there, you know, his two brothers, he looks like so and so there, he looks he looks a bit more like so and so there. And you realize that you are witnessing the summary of someone's life. And it's moving. It is moving. And it was the crematorium was the same place where I'd gone to my old neighbor's funeral back in uh, October or November, that one, because I think that was just before Omicron, but restrictions were still in place. So they only allowed, I think, maybe 20 or so people in. And everyone else was watching on Zoom and we were all masked up in there. This one was absolutely rammed. Not everyone was wearing masks, but the crematorium, because it was a smaller space, that was absolutely packed. And it's a fitting tribute to to the deceased. It's And I noticed that there were less people around because, as I say, that generation is starting to pass away now. And you, you speak to, I was speaking to one or two people after the funeral and, you know, found out oh so-and-so passed away last year so-and-so passed away in a a care home blah 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 and you think wow every particularly during the pandemic everyone's had you know a really awful experience and known someone that's passed away and and, and in many cases people that passed away in care homes that they couldn't see uh, 
or you know or couldn't see normally couldn't visit them normally in those final days and uh, so it's one of those things you're aware it's a very sad occasion but at the same time you you've feel the nourishment that you get from having contact with some of your oldest friends. And uh, I'd gone to the cafe beforehand. I'd gone there for 8 a.m., oh, 800 hours to be consistent, to do a bit of work first. I always prepare for these occasions, you know, from, from the cafe. And uh, I wasn't going to be able to get there later in the afternoon. And I just wanted to get some coffee inside me and some Portuguese toast. And from there, I made my journey to to Morden on a tube and then got a bus from there. And, uh, yeah, one of those days where, you know, you're glad that you went. It's a sad day. At the same time, you're, you know, happy would be the wrong word. You don't want to see your friends in those circumstances. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's nice to catch up with people that you haven't seen for a long time. And hopefully the next time it won't be at another uh, funeral. Let's move on to uh, books now. I'm still reading Joanne Harris's Different Class or A Different Class. can't remember what that's called. Certainly Different Class. Is it a different class or different class? I think it's the latter. Let's not get caught up on it. I'm reading also this week, I'm reading Claire Evans's The Graves of Whitechapel. I'm enjoying it enough to want to get her next book. I'm going to pick that up from Brixton Library tomorrow. That's called The 14th Letter. But the blurb for The Graves of uh, Whitechapel, my sibling got me this. I think she got me this at Christmas, and I've only got around to reading it now. Hard Swallow 1212. In the gripping new novel by the author of The 14th Letter, a lawyer in Victorian London must find a man he got off a murder charge and who seems to have killed again. Victorian London, 1882. Five years ago, crusading lawyer Cage Lackman successfully defended Moses Pickering against a charge of murder. Now a body is found bearing all the disturbing hallmarks of that victim and Pickering is missing. Did Cage free a brutal murderer? Cage's reputation is intact. And worse, he is implicated in this new murder by the bitter detective who led the first failed case. Left with no other alternative, Cage must find Pickering to prove his innocence. His increasingly desperate search takes him back to the past, to a woman he never thought to see again, and down into a warren of lies and betrayals concealed beneath Holland Park mansions and the mean streets of Whitechapel, where a murderer, heartbreak and revenge lie in wait. Started off enjoying it, lost my way a bit, and now I'm... I think I'm around page 150. I'm enjoying it again. Sometimes I'm I'm reading books and not really taking them in. I don't know what it is. Maybe just a lack of uh, focus going through the motions or, or tired eyes. But I'm enjoying this. Um, enjoying this book, and I'm going to crack on with both books uh, later on today. I'll give you. Let me give you my. No, I'll give you the gigs after the after the break. Um, yeah, last week's gigs. I'm trying to remember last week's gigs. I've lost a couple this weekend. I think one promoter has uh, blackballed me now. That's the second Americanism of this week's show. I'm trying to, as I said last week, I need to appreciate where I am health-wise, and I need to, I think I have a, 
uh, a good understanding now of the circuit as it is at the moment at my level and nights that are worth doing and nights that are not worth doing. And, and some of the nights are just way too long and I, I can't do it. It's, you know, you've got the journey there, you've got the cost there, you've got the bucket collections, you've got the hassle of trying to find plus ones. And, you know, I lost a, a good gig yesterday, uh, again, because I couldn't find a plus one for that. It's always harder to get a plus one on a on a weekend. So I lost a seven minute spot. I uh, lost, uh, I think I lost another gig. I lost two last week. I got dropped from one yesterday. Well, no, I cancelled one yesterday so I could do this other gig. I don't think the promoter, I hadn't told him I was doing another gig, but uh, I just, their nights are too long. It's like 18 to 20 acts on the other side of London. I can't do it physically. I can't do it. And even if, it, you know, if, even if I was 20 years younger, It'd be the wrong night to do because uh, I'm going to some of these uh, gigs and I'm still seeing acts that are never going to make it on those nights. And I'm thinking, well, that's not really good. I don't want to be on nights with these kind of people. I need to progress. And, uh, you know, and I don't believe that you need to do, you know, 100 plus gigs at this level. I'm, I'm, you know, that's what the promoters tell you. Uh, but but I've seen them at other times try to fast track other acts that they've taken a liking to. So, you know, you know yourself. If you're honest with yourself, you'll know what you can do. You don't underestimate what you're trying to do and the difficulty of it because it is a hard thing. It is, it's the most challenging thing probably I've ever had to do creatively. It is very, very difficult to, you know, psych yourself up for every space that you that, that you're performing a set in but at my age now i can't be doing all this late night traveling and you know three four buses to get somewhere the money expenditure and also you know going to a lot of nights where there's just very few people there and the level of acts is not at a level that's going to teach you a lot there was the gig in dalston that i did on wednesday that there was a, a bit better but it was a bit better than the first time much better actually but again, still, it wasn't a big night. And one area I do need to improve in, well, one of several areas, but I need to find a way of motivating myself to perform to the same high standard in front of small audiences that I do in front of bigger audiences. I find it very difficult to do that, particularly maybe when the audience is mainly made up of uh, comics. I find that difficult. So I need to work on that, need to rehearse as well a bit more. You know, I know my sets and uh, I'll be writing a new set soon, but I'm not, I don't want to be moving on to the next level of gigs, pissing promoters off. Uh, and I probably, I think, uh, irked one of the most uh, irksome promoters. So I, I don't think I'll be on his nights anytime soon. And he's dropped me from a, a new act night in retaliation uh, tonight, I think. So uh, am I slightly disappointed by that? Yeah, at the same time, you know, rest-wise, I'm, I'm going to gain from that. Uh, you know, my body, as I say, Saturday, Sunday, today, today I'm going to try and run. As soon as I do this, I'm going to go out there for a run before, you know, a big bowl of porridge. But, uh, yeah, I feel really tired, very lethargic. Uh, let me see. So the Tuesday, no, the Wednesday gig went okay. Uh, getting to know some of the acts now and they give me, you know, some good feedback. Uh, I did Monkey Business on Thursday, which was half dead. Met this uh, Swedish comic there who was there the night before, but hadn't been able to get a spot the night before. I recognized him 
and uh, he did a set in English. And when he comes back, I told him, you know, message me on the comedy Facebook page, and I will see if you know what gigs are going on that week. And you know, I'll come and see. It was really nice to see him. He's actually uh, an airline pilot. First time I've ever met an airline pilot. I told him I, I never fly because he said, "Look, if you're ever in Gothenburg, I can find you some gigs." I said, "I don't fly. I'd have to travel there by boat." But, uh, you know, he was talking about uh, he was a bit nervous, understandably, you know, doing a set in his second language. I said to him, you you fly, though. You're, you're a pilot. You're up in the sky. We've got no business up in the sky. And you're worrying about five minutes on stage. He said to me, what is your problem with flying? And I said, well, look, you know, when you see these... Uh, air disasters on TV and people say, well, you've got to die some way. And my response is always, well, yeah, but there are better ways to die than falling from the sky. And he acknowledged that. So he's a guy, he must have had one or two near misses up there. I think he's flying with Ryanair. But uh, yeah, nice guy. It's always a bonus when you meet nice people on the circuit. So yeah, two gigs lost over the weekend. So uh, The Thursday gig wasn't very good and it's always annoying when you know there were seven acts and the promoter then puts up pictures the following day but he doesn't put up your picture and at this level you need any bit of promotion that you can uh, get access to so uh, I'll, I'll mention this week's gigs and the nights where i need plus ones i'm coming up to 50 gigs now so it's going to be a bit of a milestone uh, i'll do that uh, after this sting You're listening to episode 385 of Daniel Brewer's Tyson is available. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at 1607westegg, facebook.com forward slash DRT available. And of course, you've got the uh, comedy page now for my, my stand-up gigs. That's uh, at DRT comedy. You can add yourself on there. I've forgotten what I was going to say. This is ridiculous. DanielRuizTyson.com. That's where you find all my work. I appreciate all those of you who have shared the show via Instagram or Twitter in the last uh, uh, week. It is a simple thing and yet uh, not many people do it. So I do uh, appreciate it. It all helps. There is, of course, the Patreon page that keeps this show alive. Patreon.com forward slash DRT available. Appreciate the few of you who continue to support the podcast via those uh, via that avenue. And, of course, you can also support the work via PayPal and Ko-fi.com, uh, coffee.com. Forgotten how, you, how to say that. The link's uh, up on my website, uh, danielruestyson.com, if you want to uh, find a, a different way to uh, donate rather than a patr- uh, patron. And do please rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen to. Quick visit to my aunt and uncle's last week. I think this was Thursday, and my aunt had asked me to write down a list of her pills for the hospital. She was going to the hospital on uh, the Friday morning, the day that I was going to the funeral. And so I wrote down all her pills. I think there were five boxes of pills, wrote down the dosage, when she has to take them, etc. And my uncle took the page, and he was about... It was a... It wasn't an A4 page. It was, uh, I think it was one of those sort of smaller notepads, but it was a big page. And so my uncle, you know, I hadn't filled out the complete page, maybe halfway down. So he was looking to tear the page and, you know, have something a bit smaller to hand to the doctor. And my aunt snatched the page off him and said she'd noticed he'd done that previously 
prior to a hospital appointment. And she said to him, you don't hand a page like that to a doctor, a professional person. You give them the full page. You don't tear off half a page and hand them effectively a scrap of paper. And I think my uncle was very surprised at this new line of attack. I have to say I'm with him there. It's I, the way my aunt's mind works. She, she, she will pull him up on absolutely anything. The page was probably too big to hand to the, the, the GP. I could see where uh, the, the hospital doctor, I could see where my uncle was coming from. You know, maybe just hand in a, a smaller page. But she thought that the last page he'd uh, torn up prior to her handing it to a doctor had been uh, just way too small and the tearing was a bit ragged. But she will, she's like, a, you know, she's the gladiator with that net. I think the, the trident and the, and, the, and the net, she's the one that will trip you up. She, she can come at you with any angle. And my uncle was just at a loss. I, I don't think either of us could believe uh, how she had come up with this uh, new line of attack for him. So uh, going to go for a run after this. My running last week wasn't great. I only did two two runs last week. I uh, couldn't go on the Friday. Uh, I had too much to do after the funeral. I left uh, the, the uh, pub early afterwards. You know, I mean, they're not fun places anyway if you don't drink but uh, I'd had a, a coffee and a, a soda water I'm sick of soda water because that's what I drink at gigs uh, partly because often the venues will give you those drinks free and you've got to keep you know I'm trying to keep the cost down because you've got to do the bucket collection as well on your way out which you know I don't think that comedians should be asked to donate you know yes you're being given an opportunity by the venue but you're also giving up your time for free you know you're bringing the plus one they, you know, comedians shouldn't be paying for for stage time, and that's why there there are nights that I'm I'm refusing uh, to do again. So yeah, couldn't get a run in on Friday. Going to go now. Should be out in the park in the next hour or so. Not looking forward to it. But if it's uh, if the park is fairly empty, which hopefully it should be today, because it looks a bit grim out there. There you go. Twelve twenty four. Sound of South London. You know, I had the opportunity actually last week to speak to a couple of police officers. This is actually last Monday, I think. And I told them, uh, you know, they were talking about uh, talking to me about their job and this and that. Have you ever considered a career in the police? And they were talking about the salary and the pension plan. And I said, that's, you know, this is what you've talked about, the salary, the pension plan. And, you know, it's it's a good life. But you haven't actually talked about the difference you make on the streets I don't see the police on the streets as that. I just hear them. You know, I hear the cars, but I don't see the police on the streets. I don't see how any difference is being made in those communities, how kids who are, you know, going down the wrong road are being set back on the right road. I don't see that level of community policing anymore. Don't talk to me about those special constables or whatever it is they're called or uh, neighborhood police teams. You know, you, those guys, they don't do much. And uh, to be fair, they did mention, well, look, you know, this is not us. This is the government. It's just cut back our numbers. And so we work with what we've got and we police the worst areas that we can. I mean, pretty much every area is is bad. Every area needs to be policed. And, uh, you know, Brixton, Stockwell, all these areas that I am, I'm in every day, uh, I just don't see the police. Anyway, I don't know how I got onto that. 
Did some meditating yesterday, first time probably in a week. I did 30 minutes, which is long for me unless I find a, a better meditation uh, video or app. This one I downloaded wasn't very good. It was uh, too much piano. I like a piano, but the piano was very repetitive and I think it was 29 minutes long actually to be precise and from about five minutes in all I could think about mainly was when is this going to end there was one moment though where my mind wandered off back to February uh, 95 coming into the spring it was it was the last weeks of winter David Caruso was about to leave NYPD Blue in the episodes that were being shown by Channel 4 on Monday nights of the second series. That was playing on my mind a bit because that was a that was the biggest show of my life. But I'd quit my picture library job that uh, that particular day that my mind went back to. I'd switched from Nescafe as well at home, instant Nescafe to Gold Blend, which is still my choice of instant coffee at home, albeit decaf these days. And I'd gone home and, you know, I was working on my Amstrad, which I had for six years. My Amstrad, I think it might have been 95112, something like that. I could check online, but uh, that would involve a bit of typing on screen. Not sure you're going to be up for that, but let me just confirm that. Because I got really unlucky with this Amstrad because if I'd waited uh, a week, I think I'd have been given the one where the actual monitor moved. Instead, I got a fixed monitor. I can't remember which one it was. Right. It was the Amstrad anyway. It was the word processor. 9512, I think it was that. Amstrad PCW 9512. Yeah. Uh, came with the Daisy Wheel printer. That's the one I had. And uh, yeah, three inch, seven twenty KB floppy drive, white screen, monochrome display. Yeah, I mean, I love that word processor, and uh, it was a real special thing for me to have that. Obviously, you know, by '96, I had uh, finally had Word, and you think, wow, this is brilliant. But uh, looking back, I, I miss the word processor. But, you know, I'd sacrificed so much I'd, to take that picture library job. I'd, I'd finally decided I wouldn't go to university, which would have probably changed my life. I don't think I would have made it to university just because I was so inconsistent when it came to exams. I couldn't cope with the pressure. Uh, and it was a pivotal moment for me and also for my mum, I think, that me walking out of that job, which was such a silly decision because my subsequent life would have been a lot easier. My day work would have been more interesting. It would have, you know, to have a job to support the writing. And my mum would have become aware that I was just like my dad at that time, that I, I was very unstable when it came to sticking out jobs. And uh, I loved the people in this particular job. I loved working in Fitzrovia. There were some brilliant cafes around there as well. My first exposure to some of these wonderful Italian cafes that were still in central London around that time. You know, before coffee really got big in this country on the back of friends. But I was working in accounts and it was just too much pressure every month. You know, the the more that myself and the head accountant did, the greedier the boss who, who passed away recently, he was a famous photographer, the greedier he got, the bigger the expectations and we were the only ones not getting bonuses in the accounts department and I was starting to take work home and yeah, I just couldn't manage that uh, stress and I don't know looking back if I could have ridden it out how, how I might have got around that but one of those things, you know, about 18 months later, I started getting sucked into the world of public sector for temp jobs and 
you know, that's really kind of where the problem started, taking on temp jobs because I couldn't commit to those environments full time because I found them boring and I've always found it hard to do anything that's monotonous. I've never really had the discipline for that. So that's where the meditation took me. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying that is what I started to recall as I was uh, trying to switch off from this uh, very unimpressive uh, piano. Let me give you this week's gigs. It's actually a a busy week. I'm at uh, Joker Comedy in Earl's Court on Wednesday. I've forgotten where that is. That's a really nice venue as well. Let me find out for you. Should have done this beforehand. That starts at uh, 7.30. I'm doing a five-minute uh, set there. Earl's Court's quite a, a nice place as well. I've only been there once in 20 years. It hadn't changed. I said that a few weeks ago. Can't find Joker Comedy. Is that here? Joker Comedy. Right. Oh. So I'm doing a couple of nights for them. I'm doing a night in Soho in a few weeks for them. Right. No. Oh, why am I so disorganized? Joker comedy. Right, let me check my email. Uh, okay, that's it. Upstairs at the Bolton. That's the name of the venue. So that's uh, that's on uh, Wednesday. Starts at uh, 7.30. On Thursday, I'm at the Comedy Cliff. Starts at 7.30 p.m. Why am I not saying 19.30 hours? That's at the Roebuck in Borough, SE150, Great Dover Street. Again, that's uh, five minutes uh, I've got, uh, I think I think that starts, yeah, starts about 7.30 or just a bit after that. Just check the Facebook page, DRT Comedy. I haven't stuck these gigs up at com forward slash gigs. I've just not had the time. Maybe I'll do that during the week. Friday, I'm in Cuddles for Troubles, also in Borough. Right, let me try and find out what that one is. Would have been good if I had this information for you beforehand. Right. Okay, that's at the Trinity in London Bridge. Rather, well, I mean London Bridge Borough, pretty, pretty close. Right, here we go. That's at two hundred and two Borough High Street, SE one. I'll be, I'll be, you know, sharing these on social media during the week. I think that again starts at uh, around eight p.m. Just, uh, just check my uh, social media for that during the week. And on Sunday, I'm in Angel at the Electro Works Angel. Right, this guy messaged me. Bill Borman is night. I'm doing a 10-minute spot there. I'm starting to get some bigger spots now. Right. Let me see if I can... Okay, uh, that one next Sunday, that's at 7 Torren Street. That's in the Angel EC1V. Again, I'll publicise that uh, during the week. It's part of a, a festival. I'll be getting more information on that during the week. So those are the four gigs this week. More next week. Let's see how I can uh, handle those. Right now, all I'm thinking about is that uphill run uh, shortly. Let me just get back uh, to the show. Uh, have I got every gig there? Yeah, that's uh, four gigs uh, this week. Let me give you, you know, if you can come along to any, that's uh, that's great. I mean, I've, I've gained a lot of stage time, but I've also lost quite a lot because of the whole damn plus one thing. And I just don't know enough people. And it's interesting that you go to nights and uh, the MCs, uh, I've had a few MCs now who've cracked uh, gags about 
the plus one thing. And uh, particularly, uh, he says, everyone, every comic will have experienced that thing where, where your friends who say that they will do you, they will plus one you, they do disappear after a while. It is, uh, even after a, a one gig or two gigs, it's a burden. It's a, it's, it's, it's a burden for them to, to come along, you know, and, and show you that support. I understand that. Uh, that's the problem. That's why I don't think there should be a plus one system in place. Maybe we should have less gigs, less venues, and the venues should be focusing on trying to drum up as much publicity as they can for their nights, which they don't always do, and allow the comics to perform without uh, uh, plus ones. And you know, anyone who comes is maybe just someone who's interested in in, in seeing a particular comic. But uh, yeah, there there was one comic. A, a couple of weeks ago, an MC, I think it was at the Stockwell gig, where he says, "Yes, we, we we've all been there. You, you you're told you're gonna uh, buy by your friends. They'll come along and watch you, and you know they'll come once if that, and then they don't come again. And 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 that's that that, that is the truth. That's 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 the situation. That's why I don't want to stay at this level too long. Partly because of age, and partly because of the hassle. I want to do the nights where I can just, uh, you know, I don't need to ask anyone to come along. It's just." get on the bus, focus on the gig, focus on how challenging the night might be and see if you, uh, you know, if you can get through it. Of course, there have been nights where I've had plus ones there. I've, you know, I've met some really good people while I've been doing this. And so that's, that's a plus. But the whole thing about uh, having to, you can only do a gig if you have a plus one. That is horrible. That is stressful. And again, you, you're just asking for more favors uh, let me give you this week's um nectar points have i got all of them here i don't think i've got my i thought i had i've got all my receipts right that's a tesco i think that's from last week what's that that's a super drug receipt yeah i had to go super drug on saturday just because i was running low on those hauls lozenges can't see a date on that no that's last week so i gave you that last week oh i'm gonna have to pause this means i'm gonna have to go to the back okay i'm gonna have to pause let me try this receipt got receipts everywhere oh here we go okay thankfully because uh it'll be stressful going to the back of the flat check the traps again right so on the 28th whenever that was Bought, what did I buy? I don't know what that is. No idea what that is. <sighs> That's a strange one. Um... Yeah, no idea. Actually, I've just realised that I think I've got overcharged on something I bought last week. That's an absolute pain. I didn't need that moment. I was blissfully unaware of this. Six pounds for something that I thought was five pounds. Uh, never mind. Right, would I have paid six pounds for it if I'd known it was six pounds? I don't know. I suppose that's a question for me to consider for the rest of the day. Right, so this was with a birthday voucher, bought a T-shirt... There we go, shopping in Sainsbury's for clothes. That's where I am. Uh, bought a beard trimmer. That seems to be an annual purchase around the birthday front uh, because the last year's one, which I paid double for, doesn't work, and I never got it returned. 
uh, bought some yogurt, all sugar-free, two yogurts actually because they're down to £1.20. Uh, the uh, clippers were £15, used a voucher for that, and some blueberries and some fair trade bananas. All these headphones hurt for 69p. Everything came to 27.76. The gift card was £25. Points earned 27. The previous points balance was 372. Yep, uh, 399 points worth £1.99. So that was uh, fairly decent. Uh, let me check super drugs. Can I work out, because I was there on Saturday, can I work out how many more points I had? Because, right, I think I've got 29 points now because I bought uh, two more packets of hauls sugar-free lozenges they only give you a point for those so 29 points i'm never going to reach a thousand in super drugs that's definitely not gonna happen so that's uh, my nectar points worth one pound 99 bit of star wars football action uh, to report on the league cup uh, league cup first round second leg x-wing they were two goals up from the first leg they traveled to savarine han solo's best game since uh, returning to x-wing after 38 years away X-Wing, uh, it was a goalless draw. X-Wing progressed to the quarterfinals, 2-0 on aggregate. Alderaan thumped Moncala 4-0. Uh, they won 5-1 on aggregate. It was one all in the first leg. Moncala, second division side, just as Savarino are a second division side. Man of the match was Hoth. Layer Obi-Wan returned from a short loan spell at Rebels. Uh, Greedo scored a goal. Scuba scored a goal. It was very much a reserve side playing uh, well, the fringe players. And uh, Black Silver, uh, this uh, Poundland action figure, made his debut for Alderaan and got two goals after coming on on 17 minutes. Uh, one to watch, I guess. Very impressive uh, shooting ability. A bit greedy, but the fans certainly took to him. A bit tenacious as well in the tackle. Rebels travelled to Empire, uh, a Lobot own goal. Their former player had given them a, a, a lifeline. They were, although Empire had the away goals, away goals still uh, functioning in Star Wars football. And uh, I'll swallow 17, 40, 12.40 hours. There you go. I said 17 because the 12 looks like a... Uh, 17 to me these uh, new glasses they've got what is, uh, the lens has got what uh, the optician called a prism uh, I don't know what that is but I can tell you my eyes I find it very hard to adjust uh, Rebels played well in the first half but uh, uh, a goal from uh, let me see if I can get this it was a known goal from uh, Luke Besbin on 13 minutes uh, gave Empire a one goal lead going into the uh, break and then Empire two goals from former Rebels player Padma uh, gave them a, a comfortable 3-0 win harsh on Rebels who had played well so Empire won 4-1 on aggregate Rebels uh, problems deepen the four times league champions their fall from grace one of the more staggering features of the Silver Rage uh, Ord Montel were what were they yeah they were 6-0 down from the first leg uh, they'd lost 6-0 at home. Death Star at home. Uh, they beat Ord Montel by a goal to nil, a goal from uh, Greeny. Again, another Poundland figure. He scored on 10 minutes to give Death Star uh, a 7-0 aggregate win. Tatooine last night, 4-0 uh, up 
from the first leg. They were at home to Nat Huth and a young side captain by Zuckers, whose leadership qualities have shone through unexpectedly in the League Cup uh, this season. They Again, they won 4-0, all four goals from young striker Antilles, who has been uh, rumoured uh, he's he's linked with a uh, season-long loan or a transfer away. He's got so much uh, traffic in terms of senior strikers in front of him, but uh, again, demonstrating his uh, prowess in front of goal. Now they're leading scorer with five goals this season. So that's uh, Star Wars football. Let's round up with just some brief... A brief uh, cafe visit, not much going on there at the moment. Uh, I'm not going to be able to get there today. It's a bank holiday. Uh, I'm not even sure if they're open. I, I presume they are, but uh, you know, I like to go there and work. I'm going to look a bit of a twat there if I take the laptop today, and I think I'm just going to go for the run and then come back and crash in bed after a shower, watch the Man U game tonight. So I've been having decaf in the cafe. I think maybe one of the reasons I'm also tired is because I've I've cut down to like three, four cups of coffee a day. Maybe my body's feeling that. I think their coffees might have gone up. I was hoping to combine the two, unless the decaf is more expensive. Seb Kaya told me it wasn't, that they were both the same price, but I think their coffees have gone up and I'm not sure how I'm going to go about establishing that because it could be that for the last few weeks when I've been thinking I've been given a tip, in fact, I've just been paying the full amount and no one's been able to tell me they had the heart to tell me. So I saw early Jim. I've actually, let me just go back to the decaf because my I didn't want to completely go on the cafe decaf. I'd rather do one caffeinated latte and then a decaf latte. But at the moment, they seem to be defaulting to the decaf. So I think that's going to be something I'm going to have to try and uh, correct because it'd be nice to be still have the odd caffeinated coffee in there to, to, to keep me going. I saw early Jim last week, gave me the usual thumbs up gesture, not Mick. He's also been in there. He's, he's looking a bit uh, beleaguered and chatting to people about his pancreas issues and diabetes issues. And he's in there with his, uh, you know, red laptop, which he travels around with in its box. It's actual box that he that it arrived in. There's a new waiter that the guy neck tattoo. He's disappeared. I didn't think he'd last long unless he's on holiday. I just didn't think he'd last long. There was something tragic about that guy. But there's a new waiter in there who has the um, the smallest face I've seen on any cafe waiter, smaller than small face himself, who was uh, one of two waiters that arrived in 2011, the spring of 2011. Uh, he arrived with another one, the waiter with the upper left stunted canine tooth that I would talk about on, on the forerunner of this show, the Daniel Bruce Tyson podcast. He, uh, another one was just relentless. I think he'd been given a brief by the old owner's husband to try and cut down my latte nursing times for an, uh, an hour to... Uh, to about 45 minutes. I think they were trying to get me down to 30 minutes, but uh, I managed to uh, slow them down to an hour. But uh, this new waiter, he's a mixed race guy, but he's got a tiny, tiny face, really unusually small face. Overheard in the cafe this week, this was uh, from Captain Birdseye and his loud table. They were back. The younger woman, uh, she said, I don't really eat the prawns. They're a bit oisty. And I thought, yeah, that's probably why I don't eat uh, Shellfish. I'm not a big uh, shellfish guy. So Captain Birdseye and his table, they it turns out they're actually from Gibraltar. And the older woman, I, I can't work out. I think I think that's his sister. 
And it turns out she's a singer. They got talking to a Latin American Spanish table who it turned out were a band themselves. One was from Granada, one was from Peru, one was Paraguay. And they all got talking and she revealed that the, uh, they're from Gibraltar. I don't know where the word comes from, but uh, people from Gibraltar are known as uh, in Spanish as Yanitos in Southern Spanish. I thought that might be a derogatory term used by the Southern Spanish, but it's not actually because she said to that table of musicians no i'm said i'm a yanito so it's obviously uh, a way that the uh, gibraltarians also describe themselves uh, also overheard in the cafe that uh, that afternoon this was the 27th of april 1453 hours i'll swallow 1246 uh, guy at a table on his phone the cat gets more affection than i do maybe that's something that uh many of you can relate to and that is it that is the end of this week's uh, show somewhat abruptly now it's time for you to get those shoulders back keep on walking towards the sun i'm daniel ruiz tyson and this start of the week i have been available 